Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 39 of UAB Green and Told, original air date Sunday, February 14th, 2021. Through this podcast, we are able to share stories from members of the UAB community. On this episode, we are celebrating Valentine's with Dr. Rashetta Huffman-Parker and her husband Cedric. Both were members of UAB's honors program in the 80s, but theirs is not a story of love at first sight. However, for Cedric, he does remember the first day they met. In 87, I was a work-study student in the honors program as a receptionist. And that was my first time meeting her. As the couple will share, they hung out with each other as friends, but it took a while for their friendship to eventually blossom into more. Then he asked, can I call you? And I was thinking, why is he asking, can he call me? He's my friend. And as Cedric will reveal, he knew the moment when the time was right to pop the question, even when some may consider it a whirlwind of a romance. About March, like, okay, this is getting a little serious. And in April, I went and bought a ring. Rochetta and Cedric have been married for more than 25 years. Both are from small, rural communities that had small graduating classes. Yes, this is a love story, but before we get to that part of their story, we have to start before they met. And that's when Cedric began his education at UAB. I arrived on campus in 83. And of course, during that time, the university college was not very popular. It was just a small group and you didn't get to know a lot of people because most of the people that you went to school with were, uh, they were commuter students from Birmingham. So the campus was, uh, you know, it was, it was just a small commuter school for me. For me, because I came from such a small high school in my graduating class, there were 96 of us. And then I came to UAB and, you know, to see the whole college, which was, I think, maybe 15,000 then, you know, that was a huge shock. And so that was why the, the kind of the honors program kind of helped to get a little smaller niche to work out of. But so to me, it was huge, even though it may not have been huge compared to other universities and colleges. You said your high school had 96 kids or graduating class, correct? Yeah, graduating class. Cedric, how many were in your graduating class? 60. So both? Small, very small. What was the shock like for both of you as you went to these small high schools in Alabama and then you arrive at UAB where the classes and the class sizes, some of them, are as big as your graduating class was? I guess the biggest shock for me was to be sitting in a pre-Cal class whether it was an instructor or a, a, a student, a grad student that was teaching the class was going on and on and on about, oh, you all had all this in high school. And I'm like, nope, never seen it. N- nope, n- nope. And then he's like, well, you can go to the math lab. And of course you go to the math lab and they're like, what do you mean you've never seen this? And when I say I went to a 1A school, it was, it was a 1A school with the teachers who were Academics was not really pushed, you know, just get these kids out of school kind of deal. And that was the biggest shock for me that that I thought I was intelligent enough to handle college, but realized that I was so far behind. And I'll turn things over to your Shetta. Was it the same experience? Um, it wasn't quite the same experience. I had really good teachers, so I wasn't that far behind. By the time I got there, like for him, like the math lab did know me well because I had to take calculus and uh, my school didn't go to calculus, you know, we went to trig. And so the math lab got to know me very well because I spent a lot of time there. 
So it wasn't as much the academics. I think it was because it was just larger. Like you said, you go to a classroom and there are hundreds of kids in this class, you know, but those were more of my major classes because basically the other kind of the core classes I had through the honors program. So I, was, I wasn't in those big classrooms of an English class that had, you know, four or 500 kids. It was more my biologies and chemistries and physics and things like that. So that's a smaller number, but it's still a shock because, you know, you think about what my chemistry lab looked like versus what a chemistry lab in college looks like, you know, it's a big difference. And just that, you know, just the technology was a whole lot different. You had mentioned that the UAB Honors Program really helped you settle in. How did it help you settle in and get accustomed to life at UAB? My first semester there was in the Honors Program. So all my classes were right there at the Honors House. You know, you've already got all the books, everything that you need. And so, and then meeting the instructors who were more like on a first name basis. So everybody knew you. So the instructors knew you, you knew them, you knew your classmates because once you've been there for a few weeks everybody knows each other you're sitting with the same people you know and that kind of thing so it kind of made that transition a whole lot easier than it could be because I think if I had gone to a class where there's four or five hundred kids there you know you're going to kind of be in shock and you're going to make friends but it's not going to be as easy as you know this group of more like a hundred. And Cedric for you your path your experience was slightly different my mother passed away after I had been in school a couple of years. Um, so like I said, my first two years in school was kind of hit or miss. I didn't work when I first started school and I started working. And so my second year of school there, I um, was taking a UAB dawning class from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. so I could go to work. <laughs> and so I, uh, I had taken a class, an English class from Dr. Ada Long. Okay, we're, it's, it's six in the morning and we're having this class and Dr. Long had taught Beowulf a certain way her entire career. And here I am uh, from round one telling her, that's not what he was saying. And this banter went on for like six weeks. Half the class was on my side and half the class was on her side. <laughs> and after the semester, after the quarter was over, she approached me like, have you ever considered the honors program? Now, mind you, I need to preface this by saying I didn't, ha I didn't have any idea of what I was doing in school, in college. It was about a seat of my pants. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, and so she came over, she's like, why don't you come to the honors program and, and interview um, and, and see what you think about it? I interviewed at the honors program. They're like, if you would like to join us, come on. And I guess, like she was saying, the honors program kind of introduced you to a different way of thinking. But my way of thinking has always been somewhat different in which, you know, if I don't agree with, I'm pretty much going to challenge you, especially if I can back it up <laughs> or think I can back it up. Now, not that I'm right all the time, by no means, but it didn't ease it because I was still having to do my thing but it was just a different way of doing things. And it made it uh, a little less intimidating, I guess, from that standpoint. So how often does he challenge you, Rochetta? Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a give and take. He may think I challenge him more often than he challenges me. <laughs> we got 26 years in, it's, it's, yeah. it's you know, it's no challenge anymore. It's like, okay, bye. <laughs> well, a little foreshadowing, you two ultimately would get married. But before we even get there, you guys met during your days at UAB and within the Honors College. As a matter of fact, 
when she started school there in 87. At 87, in 87, I was a work-study student in the honors program as a receptionist. And that was my first time meeting her. And I, I remember the meeting, and of course, uh, as she was coming in, it was, in, was I in my third year or? Probably so. I was yeah. in my third year of the honors program. So we, we were just friends. We didn't ever date or anything until I was out of school. So you remember that first meeting, Cedric. Rochetta, do you remember that as well? I didn't remember till he brought it up later after we'd been dating, maybe after we got married, because that first time in the honors house was my interview. And so that was when I was coming to interview to be in the honors program. So once he brought it up and I'm thinking, oh yeah, you were the first person I ever met at the honors house in the honors program. And, you know, but I was so nervous. It was just like, you know, where do I go? Where do I sit? You know, my mom and dad are here with me. Where, what, what are we supposed to do? And, you know, let's get this interview over. And yeah, so yeah, but he was the first person I ever met at the honors house and in the honors program, so. Obviously not love at first sight. Sparks weren't <laughs> flying right away. What was it like going through the honors program together though, as friends? I did not spend a lot of time at the honors house, which a lot of kids did because I was on to my, I had a job. Matter of fact, at the time I had a job at the honors program and I had a job at the educational technology services at the time. You know, so we had interactions, but we were more just friends. It, it wasn't anything other than that. So. Yeah, he may have thought I was more a nuisance because I spent more time probably waking him up. Uh, yeah, I was he sleep black. He, you know, he was asleep, you know, and after the lecture I would come over and, and you know, yeah. go talk to him and everything. And so we were just friends. But like he said, he didn't spend a lot of time there. And so I was going to lectures and, you know, the cheese and wine after classes and, you know, doing the different activities with people in the honors. So we just saw each other basically at the honors house when he was there for class. And rarely, I mean, probably when he was maybe delivering equipment because he worked with some of my other friends. So we might see each other then on cross campus, but it wasn't like a dating or even not even thinking about dating for that purpose, yeah. It's kind of like just in passing is when you guys would come across each other. When did just friends start turning into something different? <laughs> well, this is a very interesting story also. <laughs> like I said, we were all friends, so we had groups of friends. And actually, one of the guys he worked with at the ATS was actually a date for me and three of my friends <laughs> after a Christmas party. And so we all went out to a club afterwards with French quarters. I think that was the French name of it. Yeah. So we all went out. And as the night went on, we were all laughing because there's this man in the corner who's asleep. And so you're like, he's at this club. He's in the corner of this and he's, he's asleep. Well, it turns out to be his sister's husband. And so his sister calls him and says, Hey, we're in Birmingham. We're at this club. Can you come pick us up? And so he walks up the stairs and I haven't seen him probably because you had moved out of the out of yeah, state I was by working. then yeah, I was, and then had I moved was, back. Yeah, and so, work. you know, he walks up the steps and we're all like, Cedric. And, you mm -hmm. know, so we see him, uh, you know, we dance. And um, then he asked, can I call you? And I'm thinking, why is he asking, can he call me? He's my friend. And I'm like, why does he well, need to call me? Now, she you needs know. to preface this by saying when we did see each other, we would talk. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's like, yeah, I'll call you you know, after you come back from the Christmas holidays kind of deal. Yeah, so he, he didn't call. And so, and I didn't have his number. So I had one of my other friends, Aviva, go to the honors house, look through the Rolodex, 
you know, find his number. And so she gives me the number. And so I call him. And then we end up going out. It was after New Year's. So. Yeah. And because I was studying, because by then I was in med school. And so I was like, well, I can go out after I finish studying. So we went to a midnight movie. And that was our first date. <laughs> what was it like as relatively young girlfriend, boyfriend dating in Birmingham? I would spend my days at work. And of course, she was studying at night. So, it, you know, we we dated, but it was more like, OK, I'm going to bring some food over and that kind of deal. So. Rochetta, what was it like balancing a boyfriend and med school? Because that has to be challenging. You got a guy that's challenging you through conversation, but you're also going through the coursework within the School of Medicine. He was very uh, agreeable to, you know, there would be a lot of nights where I would call him and say, okay, I'm really exhausted. I've got to take a nap. So, you know, it's eight o'clock. Can you call me in an hour and wake me up? he'd call me in that hour and wake me up. I was like, I just need to sleep a little bit longer. Can you call me in another hour? And, you know, there's probably not a lot of guys that are going to just, you know, set their clock to wake you up in an hour or to know that I can only talk to you between six and this time, because by then I'm going to be finished studying. I'm going to have dinner. We can talk. And then I got to go back to studying. And maybe it was just easier on him because it's like, well, I don't have to worry about taking her out because she's studying. And so she's not going to cost me a lot of money. <laughs> so, you know, you can go out and do your thing, but yeah, so he was very agreeable because I was, you know, I'm going to med school, I'm getting through med school, and, you know, nothing's going to stop me, so you're along for the ride or you're, you know. Yeah, I didn't interfere in that any way, shape, or form. Uh, I guess when she and her friends from med school want to have just a night where they weren't bothered, they would go to my apartment, and I would leave. I don't have, I don't have anything to do with that. Bye. I'm gone. Because I had my own, my own group, you know, they were doing their thing and they were relaxing. So you relax, you don't worry about me. So I'm, I'm good. <laughs> At what point in the relationship did things really blossom and take the next step? Well, I will say when we started dating, I was not exclusive with anyone. It was kind of one of those things like, you know, I'm getting older because uh, I was older. I'm older. I'm four and a half years older. So, you know, so I kind of, I guess I probably need to sit down somewhere. And, and it was probably three months. Well, three, this was January, it was about March. It's like, okay, this is getting a little serious. And in April, I went and bought a ring. No kidding. I think it had something to do with the conversation of that, um, well, if I can't be number one, I won't be number two. We had that conversation, and I just you know wanted to put it out there. That's like you know. Okay. But that was early on. That was yeah. when we when we st really started dating. So. Yeah, getting serious. I'm like, well, you know, I won't be number two if I can. If I can't be number one, then that's it. And so, but you know, he definitely wasn't looking to get married. I wasn't looking to get married. I wasn't looking to get I was, married. I'm worried about getting through med school, so marriage was not on my list yet. And obviously, I was older, so I was. It wasn't on my list either. <laughs> So Cedric, you bought the ring three months into the relationship. How long did it burn a hole in your pocket? Same day. Same day I bought it. I went over there and asked him. We're dating and, you know, we're serious, but, you know, we're not necessarily, you know, we're talking about stuff. We're like, you know, what are you looking for? You know, you want to have kids later, you know, that kind of thing, you know, where you see your career going. Do you see this and that? So, you know, we're talking, but you're not 
set dates. You're not, you know, that kind of thing. And so it, it's, it's not a surprise, but it's not like, you know, oh, so no, I didn't think we'd start dating in January and then by April be engaged. Never. What was it about Rochetta that kind of turned you away from not being exclusive and pulled you her way? Well, it, was, it wasn't really one thing. I said, I'm, I'm older. So, uh, you know, I was, what, 27, 28, 27, 28 at the time. And, you know, there again, things that most couples were worried about or concerned about, I had already done all that. I guess that's, I've done, been there, done that. I, <laughs> it's time to move on. <laughs> so. so you started dating in the early 90s. At what point did you guys get married? How long was the engagement? A year and three months, I think because she was still in med school, she was finishing up and we were not gonna get married doing, and she had to take her boards and all this. So I'm like, okay, I'm fine, I'm good, just do that, yeah. So Cedric, yes. what is it that made you fall in love with Rochetta? Uh, That's a big question. Someone who uh, embodies what I'm looking for, it's not really one thing, it's just kind of, most of the people that were in her medical class, especially the, the girls, they were not dating anyone and found it hard to find a date. But there again, I was never intimidated by some pretty smart young lady. Okay, you're in med school, you're pretty, okay. You wanna go out or not? <laughs> and that's really been my attitude the whole, I mean, it's, it, it was never intimid intimidating to me, nor did I think I had to be something that I wasn't either. So like I said, all that was easy for me. I, that's, you know, I'm, I never got caught up in all that. So Rochelle, I'll, I'll flip that question to you. What made you fall in love with your husband? Well, I think it was just him. He was, he was real, you know, um, we were both kind of similar backgrounds. You know, we're both we're from rural areas, but you know, he was hardworking and it was just kind of like, you know, he took the time to be patient with me and to kind of, you know, I had a lot of rules. I had a lot of, you know, obstacles and things that, you know, he just kind of, you know, he wasn't put off by it. He just kind of slowly climbed over them and just kind of like, okay, I'm going to give her the space she needs, but I'm still going to be there. And so, and I think it just happened. It just evolved because I wasn't looking for someone to marry because that was, you know, my, that was further down on the list of goals I had. And so I think it just was one of the things. It helped that we were already friends. So, you know, we already knew each other. But even though we knew each other, there was more things I found out about him as we started dating. And it just evolved. So it's not like you see him and you're like, ah, he's the one. I'm going to marry him. It's more like, okay, I don't remember ever meeting you the first time. And uh, <laughs> now we've developed this friendship. And now we are back together. And all of a sudden we're dating. And now things are becoming serious. And it's like, oh. Wow, I may end up marrying him. And so yeah. I did have hair back then as well. Yeah, that was the hair. Yeah. I'm sure that was part <laughs> of it. Yes. <laughs> you guys now have been married for more than a quarter of a century. And it sounds more impressive than 25 years when you say it that way. What is the secret to a long-lasting marriage? Wow, that's a hard one. I think it really is, you know, and I'm not the best at this, it's probably communication. And you can tell it's like pulling teeth to get me to talk. Uh, so and I think some of it is just, you know, you know, we love each other and we're like, we're, we're, we're in this for the long haul. You know, when we got married, it wasn't, we got married to 
oh, well, you know, if it works out, it works out. If, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, we'll divorce and whatever. We got married to be married forever, you know, to stay together, to raise kids and to hopefully, you know, show them how to be a, a married couple and how to stay together. And, you know, when times are hard, you know, how to work through that, you know, just, you know, because, you know, you're going to have challenges, you know, just from difficult pregnancies, from cancer, things like that, or just things that, you know, happen in your relationship, in your life. And so you just learn you're sticking together. It's going to be the two of you because after the kids leave, it's still just the two of you. That's Cedric Parker and Dr. Rashetta Huffman Parker. Cedric graduated from UAB in 1989 with a BA from the College of Arts and Sciences. After a career at State Farm, he's now a stay-at-home dad. Rochetta got her BS from the College of Arts and Sciences in 1991 and earned her MD from the School of Medicine in 1995. She's currently a pediatric physician at the Infants and Children's Clinic in Florence, Alabama. This couple has a passion for UAB and definitely has an idea of what it means to be a blazer. Well, it's funny because it means different to me than to him and different from our son who's there now. But it's that whole, you know, being a part of the UAB system, I guess, you know, because from being there from undergrad to med school to, you know, now I'm going to doctors there and that kind of thing. It just kind of brings it back home that you're like, I'm part of all of this. I think of that as part of being a blazer. And for me, uh, as, as we're talking about it, I'm thinking we're not the University of Alabama. We are UAB, we're the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And I will go back to our son, you know, he is in the biomedical sciences. He's, uh, he's in the Honors College. He's an ambassador for the Honors College. And he takes so much pride in being a blazer. And, you know, for a lot of people, you know, I roll tide and all, no, I'm like, go blazers. You know, it's, it's just, um, it's just an attitude that we have that I think UAB now is getting the recognition that it probably should have had 20, 30 years ago, that it's a great school. Whatever you're doing at UAB now has the reputation of, hey, that's a great school. Listen in and subscribe to be the first to know when new episodes of UAB Green and Told are released. We can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other places you listen to your favorite podcasts. We would love to reach more alumni, so be sure to leave a written review to help us out. You can also find all of our episodes at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Have a story to share? Email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for UAB Alumni. Thanks for listening, and as always, Go Blazers! <laughs>